Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today for a kind of kooky off-kilter episode, we have Michael Snydell. I am a boy of summer. <laughs> Michael, yeah, he's one of those Chicago summer boys who still has to wear a parka. We also have Bill Graham. Woo! Yeah. And we are here today, not to praise Dumbo, but to bury it. Um, we we decided that we were not going to review any of the movies that came out this week. Um, Dumbo was an option. I wrote a review of Dumbo. I had already seen Dumbo. We were originally going to do Beach Bum, but we decided against it because like, it was kind of covered up, I want to say, by the distribution company. Like, there seemed to be no critic screenings that any of us could get to. And then the reviews came out, and they just didn't make it seem like it was crazy enough, or bad enough, or great enough for us to really dig into. So, we had a conversation. We decided, screw it! We're going to do our top three films of the year thus far, because we are at about the quarter mark of the year. And then we're going to do our top three most anticipated films of the summer. And thus, here we are. So, before we jump into all that, the usual stuff, find us on Twitter at Show, Facebook, search for The Film Stage Show, give us a comment and rating on iTunes, and of course, email us, podcast.filmstage.com. You can also become a patron of this show, and that way you'll be able to yell at us directly in real time on Slack. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash Show, and for as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our super cool Slack channel. And you also get first dibs on all of the raffle items from Film Stage that they uh, give away every now and then. We are also brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema, where every day their marvelous curators bring you a brand new film to watch. And you have 30 days to watch. So what does that mean? You got a 30-day constantly rotating selection of films to check out. Some of the stuff that is on there now. The What Is Not Tour series continues with Bruno Dumont. They've got Hadwich and Flanders on there right now. Also, in honor of the recently departed Agnes Varda, we have The Beaches of Agnes. And they added uh, another one there uh, today, I believe. Another Agnes Varda film that's actually uh, a little bit... I don't know. I, I haven't seen it uh, available as many places. And that so is that... Uh, Jacotte de Nantes. Yep, I didn't I want to say it, so there you go. <laughs> slaughtered that name, probably, and I am deeply sorry. But yeah, that's some of the great content that you can get on movie that you can't get anywhere else. I also wanted to say, Quentin Depew, whose reality is on there now, we did not talk about reality on this podcast. Um, last week I said we did, and we did not. Um I want to say, I would love to be able to tell you now that I'm 
giving this correction. What we did talk about, I literally can't remember the name of the film, but I do know that it was not reality. So um, it was not rubber? Oh, it was wrong. Oh, wrong. Is that the one with Tim Heidecker? Sure. I don't know. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I don't remember much about that movie that we talked about <laughs> on this show because I did not even remember its name correctly. So maybe I'll give Quentin another try and check out Reality, which is now on movie and which apparently, Bill, you said you owned a DVD of. Yes, I do. Crazy. Our guest <laughs> liked it a lot, too, uh, yeah. from last week. Yeah. Yep. So that's uh, Reality by Quentin DePew. It's on movie for a free 30-day trial. Go to mubi.com slash filmstage. And that is it. We can jump now into our main stuff. I do want to take, like, just three minutes to talk about how terrible Dumbo is. Sure. I'm it's into such this. a bad movie. And, like, so Blank Check has been doing a retrospective on the films of Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. And they finally just today got into the part where Tim Burton starts to like suck in a way that anyone can see instead of just like the way that I've seen for almost his entire career. So what is what is that? Uh, uh, they finally that? they finally did Alice in uh, Wonderland today. Ah, OK. A couple weeks ago, they did uh, Planet of the Apes. And they all hated that one. But then, like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory happened, and they were like, there's some good stuff here. Like, we could talk about this in a way that doesn't suck. And Big Fish has some ideas. And I was just, like, <laughs> sharpening my knives, waiting for Alice in Wonderland. And it's finally happened. Um, Can't wait to see what they say about this movie. I don't understand the point of remaking these goddamn movies if you're going to destroy everything that anyone who might possibly like the original would tell you is a reason that they would go and see this movie. Like, is this one racist? Yeah. <laughs> a oh. little bit. <laughs> okay, never mind. That was going to be my bit, but never mind. <laughs> <clears throat> this is the thing. You could fix Dumbo, like the original, sure. and like make it much less racist than it was. Uh, the crows could be eliminated. But this movie's like, it's just bad. And like, Dumbo's not even the main character, and the animals don't talk. And the sound design for the baby elephant makes him sound like what I guess you would expect, like, a baby alien to sound like in a science fiction movie. And the the, the art direction is dreadful. And, you know, it's there's just so much to hate about it. And Ava Green and Colin Farrell are in it. And, like, that should be enough to, like, at least get you through parts of it. But they're both just so sapped of any purpose or like emotion or reason. And, uh, you know, I, I take a lot of care on this podcast to only punch up, you know? So like I can say <laughs> shit about Tim Burton because he's never going to hear it. And even if he did, he could dry his eyes with hundred dollar bills. But <laughs> when it comes to children in movies, I usually try really hard to be as kind as possible because I couldn't act in a Hollywood film. And I think it would be just incredibly mean to shout out a child actor and be like, this person needs to never be on screen again. And yet this movie, holy crap, just like the worst. And she's not helped by the writing, but this character is just terrible. And 
I Tim Burton must have just cast her because her eyes are huge. Like she's got an interesting face, but good lord, can act sucks the air out every time she's on the screen. And I'm not going to say her name, but like just if so much of your movie is going to focus on the relationship that two children have with Dumbo, goddamn, you got to get like you got to get the kids from Pete's Dragon in there, or else you're screwed. And this movie is screwed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So Dumbo is a fucking nightmare. It is terrible. Danny, uh, Danny DeVito is in it and is not having any fun and honestly seems like they just woke him up or didn't bother to wake him up before they started rolling the cameras in any given scene. And, uh, it's just bad. It's just bad, man. It's so fucking bad. Um, it's a litmus test. I think if you're going forward in your life and someone says they like Dumbo, just cut him out, man. You don't need that. You don't need it in your life. You don't. It's a two-hour-long fucking nightmare of CGI and actors who deserve better. It's it, it's if it's two hours, isn't the first one only like barely a hundred minutes? So is this like recognizably Dumbo then? Because everything you're saying, I mean, besides being a bad remake, it doesn't necessarily sound like the things I essentially uh, associate with Dumbo. So Dumbo is one hour and four minutes. Okay. Okay. Way less than I thought. Yeah. Um, and this movie gets through what I would call the, the plot of the, the, the original movie within the first like act. Huh? And so, as I said, this isn't really Dumbo's movie. This is a movie that belongs to uh, Colin Farrell and his children and is about like him coming back from World War One, and like with no arm, like trying to build a life for his children in this circus that he used to be a part of after his wife has been killed by the Spanish flu and Dumbo comes into their lives and then they get rich and famous and then they're they're small little family circus is bought by what is clearly like a disney affiliate kind of stand-in and um and then they're they're forced to do that and dumbo doesn't have to hold a feather in this movie in order to believe that he can fly he must eat it Hmm. this is a terrible movie (laughs) and i again over this yeah, I don't I don't understand why they even made this and I don't understand why they made these these additions to it and um it's bad and I hope that all people who went out and spent 45 million dollars on it feel really bad about their choice. Wow. <laughs> we don't see this usual amount of this amount of vitriol usually. This is Unless one of those Alex Ross Perry. <laughs> this is one of those movies where like I almost wish that we had talked about it because uh, people have told me, you know, I love the podcast where you hate it. Like someone shouted out our Jurassic World podcast because they were like, the second that you all get into spoilers and just beat by beat destroy that movie is really cathartic to listen to. And we could do that with Dumbo to an degree that would seem cruel. Um, but we're not. So if you want to talk about how shitty Dumbo is, I'm on Twitter at Brian J. Rowan. You can read my review at thefilmstage.com. And uh, yeah, hit me up. Sure. But anyway, let's do it. Let's talk about our top three films of the year thus far. We are now one day away from April. That is the quarterway mark in the year. And so uh, we're going to talk about our top three favorite movies so far. 
So let's start with Bill. Bill, what's your third most favorite movie of the year 2019 thus far? Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, it's going to be Transit. I really, really, really enjoyed this movie. I think it's a delight. I think it's, well, let me step back. Uh, a delight. <laughs> a delight. Uh, maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe a not the verbiage. confection of a film. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not the verbiage I would, I would use first, um, even though I did. Uh, I really enjoyed this film. It is heart-wrenching in all the ways that you want it to be. It's kind of a creative genius flair that this guy seems to kind of be honing in on where he's kind of changing some dynamics that you're kind of familiar with and then messing with everything else. Um, I don't want to give too much away about the story. Uh, just hold on for dear life towards the end. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say about this. Even when we talked about this film, when we did our podcast on it, we struggled to, talk about it without going into the batshit insane like kind of storyline that it, it follows which you know may end up being spoilers or may not um some people can kind of roll with those punches and some people really like you know some people will have to uh i guess if you're in a theater you're kind of stuck uh but if you're watching it on a screener like us you may want to pause it and be like okay what the fuck is this movie and then come back and be like oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay so you may want to do some cursory research before um you know jumping into it but definitely this should be on your radar towards the end of the year when you start catching up on limited release stuff um and yeah, I think I think this is definitely going to be I I'm pretty sure this is going to end up in kind of the Oscar shortlist for best foreign language film and stuff like that. Like this film is probably going to have some staying power and uh I just really enjoyed the performances and everything like that. So As Richard Dawkins said about Arrival, maybe read oh, the Wikipedia entry first. <laughs> Um, I'm going to piggyback. I was going to make myself the last person to go, but since Bill talked about transit already, I'm going to say that my number three of the year thus far is also transit. Woo! Yeah. Skip it right through. Yeah, I feel like I, I like to, you know, at the end of the year, I like us to all just go it alone, even if we have like a similar okay. thing, but I'm just going to say, screw it. Transit. It's happening. Yeah. Everything Bill said. Um, <laughs> movie is aesthetically great. The performances are great. I love the transposition of refugee crisis during World War II onto our modern era. And um, the twisty-turny plot, as I said in our episode about it, which only happened like two or three weeks ago, is um, is super fun. Just on like a, like a, a, like a reptilian level. It's um, a movie that I said at some point, you don't really even need to know anything about anything to enjoy what it's doing with identity and the, uh, the fear that these people are going through. Clearly, you get more out of it if you do. But uh, yeah, Transit was a uh, a good little surprise at the beginning of the year. One of those foreign, lesser known films that you see in the early months and you're like, maybe, maybe 2019 is going to be all right. Uh -huh. Michael Snydell, what's your number three? Well, guys, I, I kind of cheated a little bit. Uh -oh. So my so my number three is actually more like my number six or what? seven. Uh, because I thought that, you know, we've talked about a lot of things this year and I realized that there are, there are a lot of things that I see that I don't talk about on here. So the three that I picked are three that are actually in my top 10, 
but um, we have not talked about them on the podcast. Like we got to have a conversation. Do you know well, what a top three is? I do, <laughs> but I wanted to do something a little different. I right, thought you that can might do be... something a little different if you also tell us what your number three is. Oh, my number three is, um, of course, I just had it up. Give me a second. My number three is not out yet. <laughs> it's called The Third Wife. Okay. Why aren't you talking about Why that one? Why aren't you talking about that one? Because it's not out yet. And okay. it would technically um, be in our summer conversation. It comes out okay. in May. Um, and I just I just thought that these are all things that are available to everyone. So I I don't know. If you guys really I want mean, me to I abandon mean, this transit, idea. Transit is not available to everyone right now. And some of these movies are going to be in the middle of going out of theaters and then into – you know whatever half life they have afterwards. So I will I will grant well, Michael that's, this that's one true. because <laughs> because it hasn't come out wide yet. So that makes sense to me. That that's all right. Um, okay. So what's the other one you were going to say? Your number seven or whatever? It is. It is. In <laughs> fact, my number six. Okay. So, so transit is in my top ten. It's my number two. I fucking like that movie. We've talked about it a lot. I don't need to talk about it anymore. Okay. What I do want to talk about is uh, it's Wolfgang Fisher's Sticks, which I believe it sticks as in uh, the band as well as the River, River Sticks. Um, and uh, it wait, wait, hold is... on, hold on. So wait, oh, it... oh, who am I thinking of that that spells Sticks wrong? Wait, are doesn't Sticks spell their name wrong? No, it's S T Y X. Uh, that's wrong. Yeah, no, it's no. not wrong if you're referencing the river, <laughs> the sticks. river sticks. Oh, oh, is that what that's referencing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, all right. It's well. not like corn where they're just like this yeah, looks cool. Yeah, no, I, it's... I mean, I mean, that's what I figured. I figured they just like, yeah, I just figured they they okay. No, never mind. This is amazing. <laughs> this is a great moment in podcast history. <laughs> corn from the Latin for. An unbelievable beauty. <laughs> okay. Uh, so right. this film sticks titled it's after, a, I assume the river sticks. Okay. So it's a, it's a morality tale. It's a morality tale on uh, the ocean. Um, and uh, so th this film is, you know, it has something in common in terms of like its procedural elements with something like all is lost or, uh, any number of like very procedural heavy uh, ship films you can think of. It's it's set in present time, and this woman is on a six thousand kilometer trek across the ocean, and uh, she finds a refugee boat and calls it in, and is told not to approach it and to wait for something to happen. And as one would expect, the what happens with illegal immigrants on a boat is obviously extremely complicated when it comes to various different uh, countries and how they handle it. It's a, uh, it's really a fantastic performance by the Suzanne Wolf who carries the film um, and not only makes uh, running a boat look extremely hard and extremely easy all at the same time, but also uh, really, smartly and capably communicates this moral quandary she has about 
whether she wants to, you know, get into legal trouble and help these people or stay back. And uh, it, it keeps that tension for the entire 90 minutes. Um, and I believe it is still available on VOD. I know it came out about two weeks ago um, in limited release. But again, I believe it's on VOD and I, uh, I highly recommend it because I, I think it's going to be one that's going to kind of go under the radar. All right. Bill Graham, <clears throat> your second most, your second, your second highest. Your second I ruined top. this conversation. <laughs> what is your second most enjoyed film of the first quarter of this year? I should have spent three hours today coming up with a better way of saying that. <clears throat> top three of the film or top three films so far this year. Yes. There we go. So what is your um, number two film so far this year? Number two, you, you know, I'll, I'll be honest here. Uh, my conversation scope is going to be limited because unfortunately, while a lot of things that I wanted to go see, I haven't seen yet, even in theaters, uh, whether it's the, what is it? The second Lego movie, whether it's like uh, How to Train Your Dragon 3. Um, and you may be like, wow, really? Like, but I was looking forward to those and I didn't get to see them. And uh, there's a couple of other things that I've missed, including that World War One documentary that I really want to see. Hopefully that's still out somewhere. Um, but yeah, so this is going to be limited, but uh, you can go see this movie right fucking now because uh, it's us. And uh, I really dug it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I was looking forward to it all year. And it arrived, and I enjoyed it, and uh, I laughed, and I had a lot of fun, and I was scared, and yeah, no, I mean, this shows a elevation for Jordan Peele on a technical level, um, and you know whether the film holds up uh, when you start poking at it is a complete and utter different discussion but i think as a experience it is definitely something that uh jordan peele has hit the nail on the head again uh for the second time running so i'm really looking forward to seeing how this film kind of plays out towards the end of the year um who remembers it who still wants to talk about it things like that um yeah this is definitely not one to miss uh so yeah i really enjoyed it all right. Michael Snydell, what are you claiming is your second favorite film of the year thus far? Give us your real uh, your real number two is transit, correct? My real number two is transit, yes. Fantastic. And um, what are you putting in its place because of the way you've decided to comport yourself today? Uh, the image book, which is the latest film from Godard and one that I am still wrestling with and have no idea what to do with, but... I've still been thinking about, uh, I, I, can people see this? The image book. Uh, isn't, the, isn't this the whole reason you did this? So no, people I, could see I these thought, movies? I thought they could, but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what All they right, say anyways. about the best laid plans of Michael and men. <laughs> mm, mm, I, I, I don't know about that one. Brian. Of mice and Snydell. Of mice and Snydell. Okay. Anyway. fucked up. That's what they say. (laughs) So the image book is kind of in the vein of a lot of Latter-day Godard in the sense that it is first a – 
it is something that at once feels like it could be bullshit and something that you could devote an entire book to in the sense that the the number of ideas and uh, the ways that he's processing images and political ideologies and I, it, it just sounds like a scramble the more and more you talk about it. And it's richly elusive and it's clear that if it's not in fact coherent, it's it's clear that it's at least coming uh, from a place where all of these are meant to funnel into larger ideas. Uh, the image book, I, the thing I will say about it, though, is I, I was able to see at the Gene Siskel Center uh, in Chicago, which some of our Chicago listeners uh, may be familiar with. And I'll say that they actually uh, put in an entirely different sound system for this film because it deals so much with the sound and absence of sound and the way of uh, – in the mix, how it will consistently pan in the same way, you know, listening to headphones and things like that. But uh, so it's it's still one of my most confounding and occasionally frustrating experiences of the year. But it's it's nonetheless, you know, it could still be the swan song of Godard. And, you know, that's nothing to uh, shake your head at <laughs> no matter how uh, how difficult it is. Okay. And what number is that for you? Actually, is that five? That's five. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> My number two film of the year thus far is standoff at Sparrow Creek. Woo. Yeah. Um, this film you actually can see right now. You can rent it on all those video on demand platforms. And I know this for a fact because that is how I saw it. This film, uh, written and directed by first-time writer-director Henry Dunham, and it stars my boy James Badgedale as a yeah. former cop. Yeah, yeah, let's take a minute and just cheer on James Badgedale. I have not yeah, yeah, seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have not seen Rubicon yet. Mm, okay. Well, you I, failed then. <laughs> I know. I still gotta. I looked it up the other day. I don't think that it's anywhere that I can see it. <laughs> yeah, AMC like probably buried that shit. Free. Um, yeah. Yes. Which sucks because, uh, like, AMC is usually pretty good at putting stuff on, um, what's that thing? That thing that they do. Netflix. On demand? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to see the terror from them as well. Yeah. There's so nowhere to see that. Usually they take about a year to put their new seasons on Netflix. It's been a while since Rubicon, so I don't know. Um, but anyway, the standoff at Sparrow Creek stars our boy James Badgetail, uh, the greatest actor that is currently working. Wow. I don't know okay, if I'd go okay. that far, but James <laughs> Badgetail, like, immediately, like, if I go through and look at some of my you mean favorite when films. when he works. I'm sorry, what was that? I said, you mean when he works. I mean, he's in a shit ton of stuff. Like, there was, now um, he is. Now I he looked is. him up, and there was some year where he was technically the quote-unquote, like, highest grossing actor because <laughs> of the number of movies he'd, like, had a bit part in that were massive. Uh-huh. But anyway, James Badgedale, he plays a former cop who is now a member of a local militia, uh, which is certain people listening may know, is like a separatist, usually white supremacist, like paramilitary group. Um, there are many of them all over this country. They are terrifying. And one member of their militia shoots up a police funeral, and it is up to the members of this militia to try to figure out which of them 
is responsible so they can hand them over to the cops before the cops come and just take up part their entire operation. This is a really great movie that is, I guess you'd put it like on par with stuff like Reservoir Dogs in terms of like single location talky thriller that involves a bunch of bad men. And it's a really interesting look at the way that outcasts and broken people will gravitate to these groups as a means of finding some kind of non-judgmental community. And it's also just really, really, really good. It's super tense. It's super moody. Aesthetically, it takes place in like a, a, a covered lumber yard. And so it almost seems black and white just because of the low light. And Henry Dunham shoots the hell out of this in a way that is at once not overly showy. He he locks the camera down a lot. You know, it's not like he's doing crazy camera moves or fast editing. But he milks that space for every single interesting and meaningful angle. And it's just a slew of actors that you've seen in other stuff and have probably loved. You got Gene Jones, who you may know as the gas station attendant in No Country for Old Men. You got Patrick Fischler, who is um, Jimmy yeah, Barrett Mad Men. in Mad yeah. Men. And also the guy who faints when he sees the crazy dude behind like the chicken shack in Mulholland yes. Drive. <laughs> yes. And then um, Brian Garrity, who is the mustachioed uh, co-pilot in Flight. And Chris Mulkey, who I know that I have seen in lots of stuff and I can't. Uh, he was Uncle Frank in Whiplash. It's it's a movie that's just chock full of those people who are like, hey, I know that guy. Like, I have seen that guy and stuff and I usually like him. So, yeah, this movie is great. It's fantastic. It was a really good surprise. It clocks in just under an hour and a half. And um, I recommend that anyone go and check it out for like four or five bucks on uh, iTunes or Amazon Prime Video. I think it's five ninety nine. Yeah, it depends if you go SD or HD. I would say HD yeah. all the way. So, yeah, because Michael, you saw this movie, right? Yeah, you were not <laughs> quite as enamored as I. No, I wasn't really very enamored, but it wasn't. Uh, it should be said that some people have some political problems with this film and that's not where my problem is i just thought this was just kind of i, I don't know the the setting that that sense of tension that you were talking about i just wasn't feeling that and i found this very repetitive very early on um i, I just found i don't know I, I just don't think james badgedale is enough of an anchor for me in this film and insanity especially I where it take... goes I can take only so much insult from you. <laughs> and for you to say that about James Badgedale is unacceptable. Well, anyway, uh, you can watch it. Check it out for yourself. Um, and then let us know who you think is right. I also wrote a rather long review of this on my personal site, brianjrowan.com. So check that out if you uh, need to know more in a more constructed fashion from me. And now we have come to the ultimate moment what is your favorite movie that you have seen thus far this year? Bill Graham. Hmm. 
Uh, so this probably won't come as much of a surprise if you listen to the podcast, but this is going to be Alita Battle Angel, uh, which is a fucking weird nice. night. That is yeah. like a, that's a huge surprise. Yeah, that's a huge surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, even, I don't just listen to this podcast. I am a member <laughs> of it, and that is still a shock to me. <laughs> um, This is a fucking weird nightmare movie, and yet somehow it fucking works and i haven't been able to stop thinking about some of the visuals and some of the things that it's trying to say um this movie huh (laughs) the tear tear. that he cuts with the sword (laughs) he she come on sorry sorry um even though she's a robot uh let's let's not go there uh yeah no this is a remarkable film that i feel like a lot of people have skipped out on um you know we're going to spoiler alert we're going to talk to the person behind the book of the best damn year in movies best or something movie like that. year ever <laughs> yes uh which covers 1999 which doesn't cover 1998 which would be dark city um, and so I feel like this is one of those movies where people are just going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Let, let's talk about that other thing. But, uh, did you ever see Alita battle angel? And people are going to be like, whoa, you saw that. And you're going to be like, yeah, I went to the theater to see that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is a weird fucking movie. I think it's got a lot to mine down the road and I'm just, I just haven't been able to stop thinking about some of the things that it's trying to do and grapple with. And look, like it sucks that the two people behind it are very bland white dudes. Um, but overall, I just really enjoyed the experience. I enjoyed the hell out of the visuals. I thought uh, some of the things that I was trying to say, maybe they don't have a firm enough grasp on uh, what it means to be a lady, but I don't, I don't know. Like, a lot of that is is subtext that they kind of tried to end up making context or whatever it is text and i i can either just like just shrug that off and just say yeah maybe y'all don't know what you're talking about but you still made a fun movie so that's what i'm going to kind of side with is this movie was so fun and I really enjoyed it. It's got a lot wrong with it. Holy shit, it's got a lot wrong with it. Uh, and I can't believe that they like ended the way that they did. But here we go. Maybe maybe there will be a second one. I I think I heard it made like five hundred million dollars worldwide. It made some money. Yeah. Yeah. So like maybe it does get another sequel but i think maybe off of just james uh cameron's name alone maybe it will and uh who the fuck knows with uh, the disney fox merger uh that'll be interesting to see what disney thinks of this fucking movie since bill brought it up um yeah in a couple weeks we will be having a extended conversation with brian rafferty who wrote the book best.movie.year.ever how 1999 blew up the big screen and um it's a it actually makes a lot of sense that we bring it up on this episode because we're recording this on the 20th anniversary of the matrix being released and 10 things i hate about you and 10 things i hate about you um i am a decent way into this book and i'll just shout it out it's fucking awesome i love it and 
Yeah, I can't wait to talk with him about it. He's, um, he's getting a he he. I don't know if it's just this book in particular that's starting to like have a, a prominent role in in like a lot of websites are covering like whether I just saw a Hollywood Reporter uh, article that one of my friends did. Uh, where he interviewed the Matrix composer. And so that's happening. Um, yeah, there's like a lot of content, not necessarily strictly related to this book, but definitely about 1999 and like the 20th anniversary of all these films. Well, that's what's great. That's like, you can't you can't manufacture coverage like this because like 1999 was a crazy good year for movies. That's why he was able to write a book about it. And so every time that one of these anniversaries comes up, he can basically say, how would you like to run an excerpt from my book? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I saw that they did that uh, with his, uh, his matrix. And I think his 10 things I hate about you sections at different websites. Um, so look forward to that interview. And I believe that that book is being published on April uh, 16th. So, so yeah. not in, not in time for summer. But uh, early, not in time earlier, for summer. Or earlier than summer. Earlier than summer. Sorry. Yeah, predates <laughs> summer by a full month. Um, Michael Snydell, can you just tell me what your number one movie of the year thus far is? <laughs> uh oh, I think uh-oh. we lost Michael. Uh oh, yeah. Uh oh, indeed. Hello. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. It's uh. Ashes pure as white. We're talking about it next week. Okay. Great. Uh, you, what you is asked. your What is your Well, first of all, you went silent on us for a bit, so I was worried. Um Second of all, I guess what's your number 4 movie of the year? Sure. It's uh it's Diane by uh, Kent Jones, which is uh I've been uh self-promoting an interview I did with Kent Jones lately uh on the film stage. But uh Diane's Diane's really good. It's a it's a uh it's a character study starring Mary Kay Place, who's another one, who's one of those actresses who, you know, she's shown up in things throughout the years. Uh, the Big Chill might be the one that people especially point to, um, and this is just a it's a fantastic role because it's a a film kind of that's a, a meditation on routine. Like she is a uh, woman kind of in the. Uh, late in her years and you know is so selfless and helps everyone around her she's constantly helping family she's she volunteers at a soup kitchen but that is all a coping method for the worry that she has for her son played by jake lacy who is a uh who is a um in and out of recovery drug addict and so the film isn't necessarily really about that that relationship though it's more about trying to understand diane's pain and the how she lives each day and the ways that she views her life and you know her successes and failures especially with her own only son you know not uh living up to what she expected so it's it's a really powerful film and it is on VOD. <laughs> All right. I, I looked the other day. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's I, I really recommend it. And it's it's a the feature debut from Kent Jones, who's a, a really estimable 
critic in in his own right and just a fantastic read in everything he does. So I am really excited about him as a filmmaker as well. Always interesting when a critic gets the the reins to a movie, especially in America. Like, you know, in like I was talking to him about this in the interview, you know, in France, there's so many examples of uh, critics who became directors. Yeah, it was like the whole new wave. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, the Cahiers. Yeah, exactly. Cahiers de Cinema? Yes, I have you, I butchered that. Clearly, Terrible. you've never heard that said out loud before. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> oh, boy. Reading is great, but it doesn't help you pronounce things. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really recommend that one, so I hope people check that out. Um, I think Rod Lurie is another one of those. He um he was a film critic, and then he remade Straw Dogs. Yes, and then uh, obviously Roger Ebert. He did the Behind the Valley of the Doll, or uh, yeah, Behind the Valley of the Dolls. The sequel. I think it's Beyond Valley of the Dolls. Yeah, yes, the sequel to that. Yeah, that first film. Yes, which is I'm pretty sure an NC seventeen kind of sexploitation film. So that's funny that that's his first movie. But indeed, whatever. <laughs> yeah, the last castle was good, and then he went and remade Straw Dogs, uh, Rod Lurie. So I don't know. Uh, you know, that's a that's a tricky fish. That's is it not a good remake? It's, it's fucking terrible. Um, oh, yeah, no, that's not it, a good movie. It came out during that particular time where all deer and movie were CGI. <laughs> <laughs> like the ring too <laughs> yeah like it's just like hey uh we got a guy who's hunting it's like well we'll get a cgi deer in there <laughs> can't even get a b-roll of some deer no nope that's great anyway my number one film of the year anyone want to take a guess what it could be well, thus far are you about to be dragged for it i think i could be dragged for it because <laughs> it's worry. a this is my second in a row of like politically I don't even know what the word is because I don't think they're politically iffy. I think they're rather intelligent exploitations, exploitation, explorations of certain (laughs) like far out political things. But it's dragged across concrete. Um, The newest film from writer director Craig Zoller, uh, S. Craig Zoller. And uh, this movie (laughs) is a full hour longer than Standoff at Sparrow Creek. And um, it stars Mel Gibson, uh, Vince Vaughn, Michael High White, and uh, Tori Kittles, Kittles, who's just fantastic in it. The more I, every time I think back on this movie, even if I am, my my recollection is prompted by like, let's say someone talking about Vince Vaughn or, or anything like that. Eventually my thought process takes me back to Tori Kittles in this movie, who is just fantastic. Um, this is a hard bitten crime drama. It's super great. The The conversations are great. I was watching Pulp Fiction today and I was like, it's so weird how Quentin Tarantino created this thing of like, what if we have the badasses like talking about bullshit for a bit, you know, to the point where in Pulp Fiction, Jules and Vincent like show up early to like go roust some people. And so they're like, you know, let's hang out for a bit. And then they literally walk down the hall and continue their nonsensical conversation a little bit longer. And people keep trying to do that, but they do it in a way that sucks. And S. Craig Zoller is one of the few people who I think not only does it well, but does it in a way that feels wholly in his own wheelhouse. Like, it doesn't seem like he's doing it because he wants to be Quentin Tarantino. It feels like he's doing it out of the same place of affection 
for character and breathing room that Quentin Tarantino does. So yeah, uh, Dragged Across Concrete is a fantastic movie. It is currently out in theaters and on VOD, available all over the goddamn place. Google Play, iTunes, probably YouTube, Prime Video. So I recommend that anyone who's interested, check it out. I have uh, an interview with S. Craig Zoller that posted alongside our podcast review of this movie. And I have a written review at brianjrowan.com. So we're just really self promoting with our number ones, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Why not? You're promoting something that hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> You've got to hope that, like, something doesn't go wrong with our production schedule. This is true. Otherwise, you will have been made a liar. <laughs> so uh yeah before we get into our most anticipated movies of the summer months uh let's do a quick three second statement on uh the disney fox merger i think it sucks bill graham uh i think a lot of people are gonna lose their job and they've already, already lost, lost yeah have yeah. already lost their job and uh less competition in the marketplace is just generally not a good thing i think I'm trying to struggle to figure out what is good about this, to be honest with you. Um, and We're finally going to you know, get a Blu-ray release of the original Star Wars, man. The X-Men can be in the next Avengers movie, bro. Yeah. Fucking yeah, that, Captain Marvel is... Di- no, wait. Captain Marvel already was a Disney princess. Uh, the yes, alien yes. from Aliens is a Disney princess. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, what could actually be good about this? Um, I think the marketing power that Disney holds in the marketplace uh, could actually be used for good in these situations. Perhaps, hopefully, if they decide to make actual serious like genre fare and uh, movies and things like that. Um, so, and. The other thing that I hope happens out of this is that this ends up being a a direct correlation to them picking out a uh, small limited release, small uh, you know uh, indie directors, and plugging them into the Marvel Cinematic Universe or whatever ends up happening with all of these other things, and take them okay, give them a big budget have them have some success, have them show that they can manage that and then let them start to draw some money from that, that line and then maybe make a, a Fox movie, right? Maybe make whatever the fuck they want. And so maybe there's a direct correlation between them, uh, giving some people some opportunity and then not just being like, you want to direct another one? And they're like, no, can can I make this other movie now? And they're like, yeah, we don't make those movies. Now, hopefully, they can be like, hey, you know who should – yeah, like we'll we'll give you some money for that. Like hopefully some of the producers and things like that. I was listening to the producer behind uh, – the the hotel movie that we just watched. Uh, if 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 you haven't, uh, if you're not familiar with me, my goldfish brain is firing on all cylinders right now. So uh, the hotel movie we just watched uh, last year from the Cabin in the Woods director. What was that? Oh, uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Yes, Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, that producer specifically came off of. Uh, he was part of the MCU. He was part of like the first decade or so of the MCU. And he was a 
like a a fairly good produ- like high line producer on those films and he decided to just follow his gut and go ahead and help uh whatever his face is uh to make that movie and pulled a lot of strings and did a lot of things and basically split from working for Disney to go make that movie. And so hopefully this ends up giving those people that kind of opportunity where they just, and you know, obviously that wasn't with the same company that wasn't with a lot of the same production houses and everything like that. But it's, it's a sign that hopefully people are like, Hey, yes, I could continue to make money and pay my mortgage. And, but maybe like once I get a nice house and once I'm comfortable, maybe I start making movies that I actually like really, really care about. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully that's, that's like a good thing that happens out of this, uh, on the sad side, a shit ton of people are going to lose their jobs. I was not expecting you to actually like go for that. I thought we were all just going to immediately say, yeah, this is a terrible thing. And there's nothing, there's nothing good about it. I, I, I literally was thinking like, what is the good that could happen? And that's, that's, that's what just kind of spurred into my head. So that's what I, I rolled with it. <laughs> I, th- right. I think a, I, I think the I, I, this will be much very brief. I promise. Uh, I think the interesting thing is even seeing who they're shuttering already. Like this Fox Two Thousand was the one that's been reported on already. Yeah. Uh, and and you know that like I I can't say that I you know like it's the, so some of their big ones were like uh, Hidden Figures and Fault in Our Stars and Love Simon which at least two of those, you know, are a YA films and then hate you give, um, and then devil wears Prada, which is kind of an odd one out there. But either way, my point being that like, it's just kind of weird to me that the one that's YA focus that has like, you know, made a decent amount of money and not necessarily is more woke or any, anything like that, but rather like it seems to even performatively like, trying to make something a little bit different even if it's corporatized like it's just kind of odd to me that this was one of the first victims uh, of that and it's just a little worrying to me because even from like a pr standpoint if like okay you're starting with this what's next like (laughs) what are you trying to hide at this point dear god Yeah, I have no deeper thoughts. From the moment I've heard about it, I was like, "Oh, this is terrible," and um, I just feel like uh, there's nothing. There's nothing good about it. Disney's yeah. Disney. Disney is McDonald's. Um, it's like if you found mm-hmm. out that your favorite like local restaurant was taken over by McDonald's. Like, yeah. it's not going to get better. It's not going to do more interesting things. It's it's kind of how I feel too. Hearing about like you know the Apple conference or not the conference the the event they had this past week and just hearing about how they are trying to, you know, put everything in one place, but also there's all these other subscriptions and add-ons and things. And it's like, I don't want it. Like, I I appreciate that they're trying to simplify it, but I also don't trust Apple in the least in, in the same way that I don't trust Fox or Disney. Like, it's just like these corporations, I don't believe that they have good intentions. They have good intentions as far as what it will mean for their bottom line. Well, it's like all these people who, and then, you know, this is a, we really do need to do the other thing. No, we're gonna sure. do. But I, I wanted like, 
last week netflix canceled one day at a time and people were like yeah. oh this is terrible blah, blah blah whatever i have no opinions i never watched it um but then this week some For idiot social media though yeah. yeah some idiot said something about brie larson and netflix dragged his ass and then people were acting like netflix was an avenging angel of like underserved groups and it's like guys one week ago <laughs> One week ago, you were like, uh, Netflix only cares about their bottom line. They don't actually care about the voices they're holding up. But Brie Larson yeah. has a movie coming on their platform and they stand up for her. And you're fucking flipping out because now Netflix is like woke bay of the week. It's the stupidest <laughs> fucking shit. Like it, we're in an abusive relationship with corporations <laughs> because someone will do like one day at a time gets canceled. And it's like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry that I wasn't paying attention. Your dog ran away. But then the next day it's like. <laughs> The next day, you know, like they come over and they're like, here's a rose. I'll never do it again. And I, you know, all this other stuff. And you're like, oh, like you care. Like, look at how good you are. And like, I just like we need we need like a collective best friend in the nail salon to be like, honey, mm -mm, no, like hmm. we I don't know who's going to be that person for us. But it's like when Gillette had that stupid fucking commercial about like being better men or like men deserve the best or whatever and people were like fighting a weird war about that and one of my friends was just like they just want to sell you razors they yeah. don't give a fuck like they charge more for women's razors and you're applauding them for making this three minute video that's not going to change anyone's minds but will just make people believe that they care like what's wrong with you and uh, that's where I'm coming from. I uh, I don't I don't particularly trust anyone. I don't feel. And again, I have no I have no attachment to any franchise, so I don't give a shit. If now Deadpool can drop in and like pants Captain America or whatever the fuck he does, like I am interested in new original interesting stuff from people with a vision and a voice, and I think that's why, like. Two of the things I I highlighted in my thing are original movies from people who are, like, brand new on the scene or, like, new-ish. And the other one is a foreign film. <laughs> like, all of my top three mm -hmm. thus far are outside the studio system. And uh, sure. we'll see what my three most anticipated of the summer are. But, like, uh, you know, I just, like, I just don't give a shit. Like, what the, what the fuck are we doing? Like, what's wrong with us? I think there's a certain sense, too, that... Even when it does come to corporations, it's almost like the most subversive things are an accident. Like if we want to talk about Glass or uh, Battle Angel Alita, like those are such strange films that seem to exist outside of any traditional systems well, in Glass terms of is how they operate. M. Night Shyamalan, sure. because he mortgaged his house again yeah. and Jason Bloom. So like – all they've got to do is be like, hey, we're going to make this on the cheap. We're going to do whatever the shit we want and maybe we'll make money off of it because it only costs like 15 or 20 million to produce. Battle mm. Angel Alita, you know, James Cameron has straight up full on owned the rights to that. So he can do whatever sure. the hell he wants because he's got billions of dollars. He goes to the bottom of the ocean for fun. <laughs> yeah. And then he yes. gave it you to Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> and Robert Rodriguez is like, I've got a two story warehouse that's painted green in Austin. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh. Like, even even in our stuff here, like, you know, Bill picking Battle Angel Alito, that might seem like, 
oh, it's like a $200 million like Hollywood thing. But like, that's a weirdly anarcho-punk way to get one of those made. Mm-hmm. You know? It is. And it's based off of something that ha- doesn't have like a long cultural tale. Like, I am aware of it, but like, we talked about it. There is sure. the manga, and then there's the video animations. It's not Akira. Like, it doesn't have that cachet. No, it's, right. it's not even close to that. It's not, it's not Ghost in the Shell. It's not Akira. Sure. It's not it's, Gundam. It's, not it's like, the, not, yeah. it's, you know. Yeah. And again, you gave it to Robert Rodriguez, who, I mean, just. Well, and they even the fucking crazy. changed the name. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so it would show up at the top of the lists yeah. that are alphabetical. <sighs> and, and fit into the Cameron Ovra. Ovra? Ovra? I don't know. Oeuvre. I'm having you explain a lot of pronunciations to people today. <laughs> Every time I hear oeuvre, I think of Uebol. Like, I, I, it's <laughs> impossible for me to not somehow link those. It's our new podcast, <laughs> Uvre Bol, talking about the films of Uwe wow. Bol. No. All right, let's move on. All right, oh, our man. most anticipated of summer. Now that we've railed against corporations, let's see what we make of the summer movie season which is a point that is owned by corporations <laughs> to the point that Disney Marvel can make it start a fucking full month early because mm-hmm. they decided that they want Avengers to have a longer lead time before it has any competition. For anyone listening at home, we decided that we're going to start May 1st for summer, which isn't even technically the beginning of summer. I yeah, think, I, I, think, I think Avengers started that shit too. I think, well, you know, it's been like, we we look at summer movies as like, okay, everyone's out of school. Like, the teenagers are out of school. They're going to see movies. So it's usually like May-ish. But like, solar summer is June 21st. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's just what I wanted to get out of the way. <laughs> so if you're upset, we were never going to put Avengers Infinity War on our lists, probably. I don't know. Maybe Bill would. I I would, but that goes unsaid. Like, I don't need to put that as my top anticipated movie of the year. Like, why the fuck do I need to do that? Like, that's dumb. Like, I don't need to spend breath talking about that movie. Anyway, but it's it's literally impossible for that to be one of the choices for us. So, uh, you know, put your hands down, nerds. Um, let's talk about it. What uh, What's your what? Michael. Now, did you actually do your top three or am I like looking at your top <laughs> six or something? No, I I have to, I have three. Okay, what is your I third coming out in the summer? <laughs> third most anticipated movie coming out in what we have arbitrarily decided counts as summer. Well, you know, it's a movie that it turns out is coming out really soon, and everybody's kind of surprised about it because we heard absolutely nothing about it, and it's Brian De Palma's return, Domino, <laughs> which comes out May thirty first, twenty nineteen, and so the. The logline's pretty is pretty sparse. It's just uh, a Copenhagen cop seeks justice for the murder of his partner by a mysterious man. But I think De Palma's late films are they've been such an odd bunch. Whether you want to talk about passion, whether you want to talk about uh, femme fatale, redacted, like he really is a person who he doesn't make the same film twice or if he does he finds a way to make it reflexive (laughs) (laughs) um and you know he's a a filmmaker that again that i'm hot and cold on but i i can't not be excited for this it stars uh nicolaj coaster waldo who's best known uh in game of thrones as um jamie lannister 
thank you. Yep, As Jamie yeah. Lannister, and then uh, actually Karis Van Houten from Game of Thrones as well. Uh, oh. The Kingslayer and the Woman in Red themselves. And yeah. motherfucking Guy Pierce. So, just, oh. I don't have a nickname for him. <laughs> the so Rover a himself. Thriller, a detective thriller from Brian De Palma coming out out of nowhere. Like, I, I, I have to pick it as one of my most anticipated, even if it's just a massive flop. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see it. I need to know what it is. <laughs> this almost made my top three, but I do have that concern. Even though I sure. really liked Passion, which I feel like you... is a movie that people have forgotten about or otherwise detest. Oh, I, I would say detest. <laughs> What's this movie you're talking about? Passion? It's, uh, with, uh, I'm, I'm Rachel kidding. McAdams. I'm oh, okay. It's, uh, it's so good. It's... It's really good. Michael, you don't agree uh, with me? I I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. That's crazy. Um, You should check it out. I know. I, I should. Especially I since you're excited for his newest one. I think it's on streaming, so I am I will make that happen. And I will say, I'll uh, plug a few years ago, we did a De Palma retrospective at the film stage. Yeah, we did. And that was so much fun. Like, we just got to, it was really awesome to go through, like, early and late to Palma and just try to write about him. I, I wrote about dress to kill and get a hold of your rabbit, which has Orson Welles as a drunk magician, um, which is, which is pretty great. Pretty sure I wrote about, uh, untouchables. <laughs> okay. And possibly and- Scarface. Oh yeah. I definitely did. I, I think, um, I think I wrote something really good about Scarface. And I'm not saying like, I think, I think that like that might be one of the more interesting things that I've ever written. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, go to the filmstage.com and check out our De Palma retrospective. Also, if you want to see passion, it's apparently included with a subscription to prime video. And it's also free yes. on the Roku channel, voodoo and something called Pluto TV. Oh, yeah. Pluto TV, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Bill Graham, what's your third most anticipated film of the summer? Uh, The Art of Self-Defense by Riley Stearns. So Riley Stearns, uh, he's director of Faults. He's the writer-director, and he's returning as writer-director on this one. This is going to star Jesse Eisenberg and Mujin Poots and Leland Orser. Uh, Orser, uh, who was also in Faults as well, yeah. and, and a number of other things. Um, I think this sounds really interesting. I haven't watched a trailer for it yet. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg is someone that... Uh, either just kind of works as a character for you or doesn't. Um, this film is basically going to be about him uh, having got beat up by a quote-unquote motorcycle gang, whatever that looks like. Uh, interesting. Um, and basically decides to take some self-defense classes and just keeps falling further and further inside of himself. Um, this sounds fascinating. It sounds fun. It sounds dark. It sounds comedic. Uh, and yeah, having experience with Stearns and just seeing his competence with faults, I th- really think that he's going to nail the tone of this and that it's going to probably, I say fun, uh, probably not be fun. It'll be a wild ride, though. I'm pretty sure about that. So uh, that comes out June 12th. 
Oh, yeah, man. I'm really excited for that one. It, Faults was something was something really special. Faults was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey. Michael, were you going to say something? No, go ahead. Okay, great. My number three most anticipated film of the summer is a movie that, according to the list that Jordan provided us, might be moving. Um, yeah, I just found out one of mine. So I'm having to do some some flipping around. Because I decided one of mine. <laughs> I just read uh, because of the Disney Fox merger is moving. <laughs> Wait, so I'm just like, what ah, is it? Mother- it's Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, I I'm didn't. Just nope, like, nope, that's not one of mine. So that's. Oh, yeah. yeah, that that looks up my alley. And I just read on its Wikipedia site uh, that it's moving to November 15th, I guess. So awesome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Good old James Mangold. Um, well, I don't know why mine would be moving unless it's just not done. But according to so if if I give this and then it doesn't happen in the summer, not my fault. It's Ad Astra, the new okay, film yes. by James Gray. I didn't I didn't add that because yeah his his <laughs> Jordan's logline was probably moving so I was just like I, I'm going to avoid that. <laughs> I am going with optimism which is a rare thing for me in my life. Um yeah Ad Astra uh this is a film by James Gray who did The Lost City of Zed, The Immigrant and uh many others that are great and I am just super excited that this guy keeps challenging himself by changing genres. Uh-huh. And after seeing what he did with uh, The Lost City of Zed, I'm really glad to see that he is like expanding his scope. Um, maybe not narratively or anything, but like in terms of his aesthetics. Because this movie, now I'm just going to read the logline from IMDb. Astronaut Moy- Roy McBride travels to the outer edges of the solar system to find his missing father and unravel a mystery that threatens the survival of our planet. And so that to me reads like almost like a future inversion of lost city of Z mixed with some interstellar and just like fucking right up my alley. And Brad Pitt is starring Tommy Lee Jones is playing his dad, which is a choice that makes so much sense that I'm shocked. It hasn't happened before. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, it's also got, john ortiz in it and john ortiz is a actor that i fucking love so much and i'm always happy whenever i see him in anything i was watching miami vice the other day and i was like oh shit it's john ortiz (laughs) and um i was trying to think of the other thing i was watching luck also got john ortiz in it together he is great. He is fantastic. Uh, he plays Jose Yero in Miami Vice, uh, the crazy pig. And in Luck, he plays oh, Toro. Yes, I know this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, in Luck, he plays Toro Escalante, who is a character that sounds like he should be a racist caricature, but he is perhaps my favorite character on that show. He is a um, hard-bitten Latino horse trainer who has a very heavy accent and constantly fucks up his idioms. Um, Mm -hmm. But he is so intense and has like so much like blackened ground down, but somehow still beating heart that he is just great. And luck is one of those things that I will forever be upset. Did not get a second season. I wish they didn't kill so many horses. Um, (laughs) So that's Ad Astra. 
It's a great sounding movie from a proven writer director. And I can't wait to see it. Hopefully the 24th of May, 2019. So Michael Snydell, your number two, most anticipated film of the summer. You know, this is unusual for me, but I'm kind of looking forward to one of the Sundance hits. And that is uh, The Farewell from d- director uh, Lulu Wang. And so this is actually <laughs> – this is based on a This American Life uh, bit. Uh, oh. Lulu Wang is actually the one who told the story. And what it's about is it's about a um, – it, it's about they find out that the grandma uh, – the grandmother in a family – in China is going to die and they don't, they decide not to tell her and stage a wedding um, so that they can all say goodbye to her. I listened to this uh, episode of this American life, I believe. Oh, have you? Yeah. I I have not heard it. I have it bookmarked now, but um, you know, it's, it's got an interesting cast. It it actually has someone who I really didn't like. (laughs) Um, Aquafina, who was in Crazy Rich she Asians, she was the best part of Crazy Rich Asians. I, I, I mean, wow. she was, but I really didn't like Crazy Rich Asians or oh, Ocean's okay. Eight very much. Um, didn't see Ocean's but, Eight, but the possibility of her doing a dramatic role is actually really exciting for me. And I, I've heard this is really funny. Our own Dan Mecca actually gave this an A minus uh, at Sundance, which you know may now be the reason if you're Brian to be like, Oh, Nope. Fuck this movie. But here's the problem. (laughs) The arc of Dan Mecca being on this show is that we've slowly realized that we do indeed share more than we differ on. So maybe I have to be like, maybe I have to start trusting him. (laughs) Like that's what I gotta do. Maybe I just gotta get into it. But yeah, this was, this was kind of a real Sundance breakout. And you know, of the, of the ones that I heard about that I heard about the souvenir a lot too, but I still have no idea really what that is. But uh, yeah, the farewell I think looks really interesting and um, I'm hoping that it can uh, do justice to that really interesting premise. Brian, did, did we mention one of the reasons uh, your film might get shifted around is because of Disney as well? No, we didn't. Is it? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was a 20th century Fox film. Now it's going to be distributed by Walt Disney. And so it looks like it may release on May 24th. Um, it was previously, it was previously scheduled on January 11th. So, uh, that kind of (laughs) passed. Okay. So yeah, that could still work. Yeah. So, huh. Interesting. Okay. All right, uh, Bill Graham, second most anticipated movie of the summer. Okay, uh, this is going to be Little Woods, uh, first-time director Nia DaCosta. Uh, it's coming out April 19th. I believe this was at Sundance, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and this is going to star Tessa Thompson and uh, Lily James and – Who else? oh James Maddale. Yeah, <laughs> we need those stinking badges. 
Uh, this is going to be rated R. It's going to be distributed by Neon. Um, so, you know, if you're in the right location, more than likely, this will definitely be something that gets advertised to you. Um, it's taking place kind of in a fracking town in North Dakota. Um, both of these women are going to be down and out. Uh, I think, uh, the deadbeat X is probably going to be played by James Badge Dale. Uh, he, he could be a deadbeat X. Um, and yeah, it looks to basically highlight, uh, Tessa Thompson in a starring role instead of just kind of a supporting player in some of these other films that she's often been in. And so, I'm really curious to see uh, how this turns out. It's got a decent amount of reviews already, uh, sitting at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what what ends up happening with this film. Um, I'm I'm looking to s- forward to seeing Tessa Thompson, uh, you know, kind of in that starring role. So, yeah, that one looks really interesting. I'm uh I'm curious because it's true James Badgedale could be the the ex or it could be Luke Kirby. <laughs> I, could be. I don't know. This is one of those movies that um it has a really dumb piece of IMDb trivia, which is just Lily James who plays Deb played Deborah in Baby Driver. <laughs> <sighs> it's like Jeez. someone saw that and they're like I bet I'm gonna be the first. Um. This, liked- this is what you get when when you have like user submitted like information on their like trivia page like, and, yeah it's all, not all technically a piece of trivia you know yeah it's just, like, a, that, it's just a thing. that's just a thing that happened <laughs> i don't think i have liked a single movie that lily james has been in that's a shame but um, i don't necessarily uh blame you She's one of those actresses that I feel like they are trying so hard to make her a thing. And it's just not working for me. Um, I maybe could have liked her as Natasha Rostov in the War and Peace TV miniseries. Um, but did, that looked did you ever, terrible. Did, did you ever watch uh, Downton Abbey? No, I, I have not. I've yet to rectify not having watched Downton Abbey. Okay. I tried to watch the first episode of the War and Peace miniseries, but it looked like it was shot on video. Oof. Um, uh, no, Downton definitely looks uh, like like some money was spent. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think some money was definitely spent on Downton Abbey. Well, that's what was so crazy about the War and Peace miniseries was I was like, I don't understand. The BBC makes good looking stuff. Why does this look so bad? Hmm. I don't know. Um, it was also just funny because like the cover of War and Peace is Lily James. Like the, the poster for it is Lily James. On like a black and white background, you know, war and peace, wearing what appears to be a corset of like skulls and animals. And it's just what it's clear that they were like, what if we tried to get Game of Thrones people to watch war and peace? Um, wow. I had a lot of issues with that. One day I will watch it. Um, in fact, isn't Criterion finally putting out the uh, the Soviet production of war and peace? I'm not sure. Maybe I, f- I feel like that was a big piece of news a while ago. Anyway, there's a Soviet production war and peace where they used like legitimately 10,000 members of the Soviet army to do the battle scenes. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, there was a really interesting article basically about how crazy it was that the Soviet war and peace adaptation ever got made. And, um, 
yeah, I wish that I I wish that I knew because I'm pretty sure that like it's it's a whole thing of like finally holy shit it's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say the one thing that I did like Lily James and she was quite a good young Meryl Streep in the Mamma Mia sequel. <laughs> <laughs> mm. well, less I, that, I enjoyed her in Cinderella, so you know there's that. And then and then I watched Downton Abbey and I enjoyed her in that. Um, so yeah. I think so I've it's seen um, the first season of Downton. I'm not sure. <laughs> so it was a Vox article called "One of the Fil- One of Film's Greatest Epics <laughs> is a Seven Hour Adaptation of War and Peace." Really, um, written by Charles Bromesco. Check it out. Uh, hmm. This is it. It apparently came to screens for the first time in forever, and I'm pretty sure it's getting a release of some kind as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, as for my uh, second most anticipated film, it's the summer. I am not immune to the pleasures of uh, summer movies that uh, that offer mindless violence well uh, conducted. And so oh, my number oh. two is John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. Yeah! Hell yeah. Fuck John Wick! Um, what do I, like, do I have to explain it? Like, do I have, like, <laughs> this feels like one of those things where, like, I love the reaction that we all just had where... Where Bill is just like, yeah, and I just said, motherfucking John Wick. And I feel like we should all just, like, drink now and just grunt at each other and, like, punch each other and start talking about our favorite kills from the previous two movies. I mean, like, seriously, if you like action movies and you haven't watched the first two, your head is in the sand. Like, seriously. That's a stupid choice that you've made with your life. Yes, uh, this is an action film junkie, just wet dream. Uh, you know, it's hard to imagine with the anniversary of The Matrix coming up or uh, today. Literally today. happening uh, right now. Yeah, right now. Uh, breaking news. Uh, yeah, we already talked about that. Anyways, um, you know, w- with that in mind, like the the amount of carnage and fun that film has, like this does that with gunplay and like, OK, fine. If uh, gunplay's maybe not your thing uh, in this present time, I don't necessarily blame you. Uh, they did get a lot of flack for the last film for having some AR-15s in it. Um, but what they do is fucking miraculous and exceptional and it is balletic and it is beautiful to watch and yeah it's it's just poetry and motion as far as action is concerned and you can actually see what happens holy shit what an idea yeah it's a movie that respects the art of like action filmmaking um physical acting stunt work and um I don't know as a as a guy who has shot guns in his life and finds enjoyment out of it it's also just really nice to see a movie that like fucking treats them right I guess is the way to put it like I watch so sure. many things where like people just operate guns poorly and so to see a movie like this it, there is a part of my brain that still like really gets a kick out of like seeing uh seeing different kinds of uh guns in action um I love the fact that its subtitle is Parabellum, which is mm-hmm. Latin for prepare for war <laughs> and um, <laughs> is also like a type of round that I believe is used in semi-automatic pistols. Um, so it's got layers, which is something we all like. 
And the, the films, yes, all of the films have layers as well. Like they've built a, a very interesting world. Um, I feel like the second one was a little rough around the edges, but definitely like still satisfies that niche. Yeah, um, deep into the world, yeah. really made it interesting, um, added a lot, of, a lot of layers to it. And um, I can't wait to, you know, see Keanu Reeves and Halle Berry and Lawrence Fishburne and Ian McShane. Um, just in this friggin' movie, which is going to be, as I said, fucking amazing. And, um, the trailers have been great. I'm glad yes. they don't seem to be giving away too much. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why I continued watching after the moment when all of the people on motorcycles pull out swords, because <laughs> at that point, you sold, sold. I basically, <laughs> I basically stood up from my chair in the office where I was covertly watching it on my phone and then had to pretend like I'd forgotten why I stood up <laughs> so that I didn't just come off as someone who was like, yeah. yeah. Um, and also Jason Mantzoukas is in this. So <laughs> yes, he fucking TikTok is. man. TikTok man. <laughs> oh, Not in the trailer Pocket though. dogs, pocket dogs. Oh man. Jason Mantzoukas uh, is the man. Um, Zookas. So that's it. That's my number two is uh, John Wick Chapter Three Parabellum. Spoilers. That's my number one. So I'm gonna I'm gonna swap one in when we get there. So okay, uh, Michael Snydell, what is your number one most anticipated movie of the summer? Well, I am also excited about John Wick, but I decided to do one that's uh, a little bit under the radar, and uh, it's Jim Mickles in the Shadow of the Moon. And uh, so Jim Mickle most recently did a really great uh, neo-noir that I super have the name of in front of me. Cold in July. That's what it is. Uh, he did Cold in July and we, he did uh, We Are What We Are, which is also a pretty good uh, remake of a, a pretty good Spanish horror film. Uh, um, this guy did one of my favorite movies, uh, the vampire flick. I can't remember what the name of that is. Stakelands. Uh, yeah, Stakelands is fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, that it's got movie a great is name. amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing. Uh, yeah, definitely seek that out if you want some fun vampire shit. Um, vampire slash zombie shit. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyways. So- so In the Shadow of the Moon is about a Chicago detective. Chicago, guys. Chicago. What? <laughs> what? I'm sorry. Can detective. we just calm down a second? This <laughs> takes place where? Uh, the one and only Chicago. Uh, so anyways, it's about a detective who leads the hunt for a serial killer whose crimes are timed to the lunar cycle. And it's a sci-fi thriller. And Jeez. so it reunites him with Michael C. Hall. But then it also stars Boyd Holbrook. Uh, oh, I like him and, Bo- and Boheem uh, Woodbine. Boheem Woodbine <laughs> is great. So I, yeah, it's um, I, I know this is probably going to be, you know, a lesser thing, but as far as pulp these days, I, I really think Jim Mickle just does some great uh, crime fiction. So have, I'm, I'm have, really looking forward to this one. Have any of y'all seen Stakeland? I have not. No. Yet. Okay. Um, I'm going to look that up while, uh, Wait, uh, yeah. What's your face? You go first, Brian. I'm confused. <laughs> There's a movie called Stakelander, the making of Stakeland 2. Oh, it's oh. a documentary short. So clearly it's, never mind. Because I okay. looked up Stakeland. I was like, I don't even remember what that movie's about. Because that's not Daybreakers. No, it's not Daybreakers. 
Now, Michael, I have a I have a question. Do you think sure. in the shadow of the moon is going to accurately reflect the bureaucracy inherent in the Chicago Police Department? Uh, no, but it will reflect the lunar cycle and hopefully we'll have cool kills. So I don't super care that it's not going to have any aldermans in it. <laughs> I was just curious. And this, the, I know Chicago is a special place. The same moon that shines on me. Is that the same one that shines on Chicago? No, it's, it's a different moon. You got the Chicago moon. Um, I, I here's have another question. literally no astrology uh, information, so I can't do any further jokes. <laughs> I got a friend who lives in Chicago, Ben Meyerson. You know him? No, I don't. You're sure that you don't know Ben He probably lives on my block, but you know. <laughs> uh, that's a in-joke regarding Twitter <laughs> and a legitimate thing that happened on Twitter where I just assumed that someone who followed me from Chicago uh, had to have known Michael Snyder. God. <laughs> Good times. Uh, Bill Graham. Yes. What is your, so your number one was going to be Parabellum. Correct. What have you decided to replace it with? Uh, something that I'm just looking forward to because it looks dumb and fun. Um, and I hope it ends up being something interesting. It's going to be Brightburn, um, which is like a twist on the superhero mythos that basically ask the idea or ask the question of what if Superman decided to just like kill everybody and be evil. And uh, it's got Elizabeth Banks in it. Uh, it's got some other people in it. It's probably going to be, I, I think it's definitely going to be a wide release. Uh, it had some kind of like weird uh, viral marketing for, for a little bit where it was being advertised and uh, kind of, obviously heavily hinted at the fact that like this is a direct ripoff of superman and just basically him uh being flipped on its head uh so there's it's that. rated r isn't it as well i'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be rated r yeah um it, it the trailer looks fun like uh it's apparently so, coming out the same day as ad astra oh nice um yeah Maybe. so this is i don't have the date on on hand because like i said it was a last minute switch but uh that was going to be one of my honor honorable mentions of just being like i wonder how this is going to turn out like this could be absolutely awful um or it could like end up being a lot of fun because they do something creative with this kind of idea of you know like superman being raised by some by a family that's nice and then just having a couple of bad times happen to him or something and yeah just decides to kill everybody okay um i have discovered something amazing uh-huh um so this movie is written and directed by brian gunn and mark gunn mm-hmm. okay now first of all i gotta say i so I, when i first heard about this movie i think i just assumed because of the name and then the logline that it had to either be um that that one guy who i hate who did bright <laughs> oh air you don't hate no him, no though. not thought... air who wrote bright who's the shithead who oh, wrote? oh i know, know. We're, we're not gonna say his name i don't yeah, even remember that, it I, yeah i can't remember his name either um and then i was like or is this some like james gunn thing who you know whatever you feel about james gunn i generally don't like the movies that he makes um mm -hmm. So I clicked and I was like, oh, Brian Gunn and Mark Gunn. Maybe those are like James Gunn's like shitty younger brothers or something. I was incorrect. 
They were the writers of the MTV movie Together. Mm-hmm. Is anyone did, did either of you see Together? No. This is no. a 2000 movie from MTV that directly spoofs like NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. And oh, is, yikes. It's um it's about a band and it's Together, which is spelled with the number 2 and then instead of a T, it's a plus sign. Mm-hmm. Um and they're their hit single is I Know My Calculus, It Means You Plus Me Equals Us. And their follow-up hit was um, The Hardest Part of Breaking Off, parentheses, is Getting Back Your Stuff. Those sound like Bob's Burgers, like, you know, like a sight gag for two seconds. <laughs> so it's kind of, yeah, it, it really feels like it. I remember this movie being a cutting and striking satire when I first saw it. And the music was legitimately catchy and really terrible, but was clearly made by people who had studied boy bands to within an inch of their life. And so, having now learned that the men who wrote Brightburn wrote together actually makes me infinitely more excited for this movie. <laughs> That's a... a Alright. That's a choice. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I saw that and I was like, oh shit, do I have to love this now? Like, uh, I'm, I am pretty sure James Gunn is, uh, producing this though. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I saw the film that was actually directed by this guy, David Yurevsky, uh, called The Hive, um, in 2014, um, which I think I thoroughly fucking hated. Um, but oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and James Gunn was actually there to present the film and kind of talk about it um, because he was a big fan. So um, I guess they've remained friends and yeah. Uh, I like, don't wish James Gunn ill, but like, no, I no. just, you know, I just don't tend to like his stuff. Maybe it's just cause like the last two I've seen are the guardians of the galaxy movies and I fucking hated them. Did you like <laughs> super? I didn't see super. I avoided it's, it's, it's it because fun. James Gunn. Um, <laughs> so, Do you like slither? Slither's fun. Slither's fun. I saw slither because it had Nathan Fillion in it. Cause I was one of those mm-hmm, guys sure. for a while. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah. So now it's my turn. Um, my number one most anticipated movie of the summer is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. Mm-hmm. What, what's that? The ninth <laughs> film by director Quentin Tarantino. Is it really? That's huh. what that's what the logline literally is. <laughs> They're counting his movies. Um, but they don't count four rooms in that for some reason. Because he just directed a part of it. I know, I know, but that, come on. Are we... As, so what, you want it to be like the 9.25th film from... No, 10th. I don't think a short film counts. Hmm. Brian, Brian, Brian. Okay, don't Brian, 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 you <laughs> son of a bitch. The people who gave shorts to like VHS aren't saying like, huzzah, I've like, that's a feature under my belt. Anyway... This movie um, is about the Manson murders as viewed through the eyes of Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth, the actor and his stunt double. Margot Robbie plays Sharon Tate. Um, Luke Perry is apparently in this movie, which um, he just passed away. So that's 
an interesting thing that I'm only just noticing. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, it's fucking Quentin Tarantino. I feel like this is right up there with John Wick, where I don't have to explain myself. Like, bad poster aside, this movie looks great. And the trailer looks great. And the trailer got people pissed off and on their high horses. And I love it when a movie kind of piss people off before it's even been seen by anyone. Um, so yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it's going to be pretty good, which I know is shocking. <laughs> like that's Who would have thought a film by Quentin Tarantino might look like it's going to be great? No one. <laughs> <laughs> are you not looking forward to this movie i i i i am um, I, I still think kate foy is a masterpiece not very good no it's, it's not a masterpiece. very good no it's it's, it's really not uh, right, we're all uh, saying the all same right, thing it's masterpiece let's move on. yeah I, I i'm glad we agreed that it's not very good but yeah <laughs> oh man yes so that's once upon a time in hollywood um i want to give a special award however uh-oh. To a movie that Michael Snydell only made me aware of briefly before this oh, podcast okay. started getting recorded. And that is Crawl, the newest film by Alexander Aja, um, who previously did the really spectacular The Hill Have Eyes The Hills Have Eyes remake. Yeah, that's um, a pretty good one. I saw that I went and saw that with like my high school girlfriend. <laughs> um when did that come out? Were we in college by that point? I was going to say we were, like 05. Yeah, 06. so we uh, we were either... The Hills Have Eyes was 06. So probably like a month or two before we broke up. Um, I went and saw this with my high school girlfriend. And um, I was shocked at how much I liked it. It was so fucking good. I, I was really surprised because a lot of those, hey, let's pick a Wes Craven movie and remake it, are not great. Um but that one was awesome. I think the part where the guy who plays the kind of nerdy husband like gets up and starts kicking ass is really awesome. I remember like almost cheering in the theater. Not only that, um, Horns, which had Daniel Horns Radcliffe. Horns pretty good, yeah. I, I enjoyed that as well. I have not seen Piranha 3D. That's um, fun. It's really fun. <laughs> I've heard that that is the case, and I am looking forward to one day seeing it. I've also not seen Hot Tension. Um. I don't know if I ever will, uh, because I just heard things about it and I don't know if it's for me. I'm curious if this movie, Crawl, is going to be more like Piranha or more like uh, Horns or more like The Hills of Ice. All of the above. <laughs> it, the logline on IMDb really makes it seem like it could go either way. It's There's a, there's a spectrum this movie could crawl along. A young woman, while attempting to save her father during a Category 5 hurricane finds herself trapped in a flooding house and must fight for her life against alligators. God, it sounds so good. <laughs> it sounds so fucking good. This could be, this is how this could go. This could be Anaconda, where it's like schlocky fun. This could be The Shallows, where it's like an actual like high tension, uh, unintentional pun. Like Thrill Ride. Um, it could be a lot of things. It could be like Hurricane Heist, which I did not see, but I still laugh sometimes when I think about it. It could be anything. Um, it stars uh Kaya Scoladario, who Michael and I had a good long conversation about the British show Skins, um, where she played uh the Yeffy, the, the younger sister of Nicholas Holt's character who is a psychopath who gets hit by a bus um, and then becomes decent. Uh, it's also got Barry Pepper in it, which, you know, 
any movie can always uh do well by getting a little pepper on it and um yeah this could be this this movie i think has the biggest risk ratio of any that we could talk about but you know the higher the risk the higher the reward so i think it could be great yeah and now that we and again i I told michael this before the podcast started recording as a man who had friends and family in uh houston during hurricane harvey this um this has a lot for me because for anyone who doesn't know there was a legitimate concern during hurricane harvey that an alligator refuge in Houston would flood and the massive alligators would be able to escape by swimming over the fences that had been flooded. I don't know why you're laughing so much. Because like, that's, that's literally legit- a plot point from Deep yeah, Blue Sea. It's just, Yeah, but that's that's legitimately like scary. <laughs> it is. It's really <laughs> scary. And I terrifying. just think it's great. <laughs> because and this is another thing, like, there, like there are chemical factories and stuff, and like nuclear reactors, I think, in Houston. And like, I remember seeing the stories about like how the red ants, because there's a shit ton of fire ants in Houston, and mm-hmm. people were like, "Well, it's raining, like at least it'll flood the fire ants out." But then it turned out no, that the fire you ants dumb were, motherfuckers were creating like, rafts of ants that they would live yeah. on. No, and that's, those rafts that's definitely something that's happening. Yeah, and those rafts were like heading towards the chemical and nuclear factories. So people were like, not only are the ants going to live, they are making islands that could become like irradiated or otherwise poisoned, making them so much more dangerous. So the fact that Crawl is coming out gives me hope that one day I will see the Fire Ants movie of my dreams. I'm sure that has to exist. There has to be a Fire Ants movie. Uh, The Naked Jungle. Yes, The Naked Jungle. (laughs) Um. So The Naked Jungle is a 1954 movie starring uh, Charlton Heston. Um, It's about a cocoa plantation in South America, which is threatened by a two-mile-wide, 20-mile-long carlum of army ants. Wow. All right, yeah, that sounds pretty entertaining. The poster for it has Eleanor Parker and Charlton Heston in a sort of gone-with-the-wind romantic swooning pose. And then beneath it is a very racially sensitive illustration of what I assume oh are native South Americans fighting the encroachment of the ants, which are and the, the so it says the naked jungle color by Technicolor, the picture about the Marabunta, mm. which is the name of the army. <laughs> I have seen this once. I remember very little about it. Uh, I remember it made me terrified of army ants. So that's it. That's what that's, that's what we came here for. This has been um, a- so are like fire ants are like a I think it's like a multi million dollar like uh what is it uh industry of like battling them. They're um, fucking horrible. They they uh one thing that you need to know about fire ants, which is really fucking weird, is they are attracted to vibration, which means they uh do not avoid like sidewalks and things like that. So if there's like a lot of vibration, um they're like, huh, that seems like a good place to be. And it's like you are a very small insect. You should not go near vibration. That seems like a dumb thing. And yet they're like, yeah, but you ever been bit by me? People avoid me. And you're just they like, are, oh, yeah. <laughs> I have been bitten by them quite a few times. It sucks. Uh-huh. They create a kind of uh, inflamed pustule on your body. Mm-hmm. Like more 
more annoying than a bee sting, I would say. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. hurt quite as much, but it lingers forever. And there's yeah. millions of them. Um, yeah. The only good thing about them is that their anthills are like a foot high, so you can sort of avoid them. Yes, or kick them as I used to do when I was a small child. Yeah, and you just kick them like, and then you run because yes. immediately <laughs> they start pouring out. It's like a horror movie. Um, go down south and harass some red ants sometimes. I uh, think they're- oh, by the way, they are specifically limited because of the frost line. And so they don't like cold climates. But... Uh, Hey, you know what's fun? Climate change is kind of changing that. So I was they're say, uh, spreading north ever so rapidly. They're one of those um, weird tertiary things about climate change that you don't think about. Sort of like Africanized honeybees. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh yeah, these guys can't be anywhere where like frost happens. And then you like are like, oh, okay, I'm safe in Washington. And it's like, the hottest winter on record in Washington. And it's like, no! <laughs> Fucking Roland Emmerich is just sitting somewhere just masturbating furiously while thinking about the possibilities <laughs> of a movie Yikes. <laughs> a movie about like fire ants crossbreeding with killer bees and then moving north because of global warming or climate change it. i don't know what we're calling it anymore um fire fire bees fire bees that's what they are yeah he'll he'll come up with a better title I'm, yeah it'll I'm be sure. a title like you know miniature hell or something like that Mm-hmm. The hell horde. on wings hell on wings hell on wings there it is, there it is. we did it <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> coming to a theater near you um can we get kevin klein to be the ent- etymologist entomologist entomologist who comes and is like you don't understand okay uh so a couple of things on the jim meckle thing a uh Stakeland is on Amazon Prime right now. So that's Fantastic. awesome. Uh also very easily accessible rental uh purchase. In fact, I just purchased it on uh Apple, uh, which we just ran down, but I used them. Oh well. Uh anyways, uh the movie that you were mentioning, Mike, was that Sweet Tooth? Which which one? Uh the Jim Mickle movie. Oh, uh well there's um I, apparently it wasn't because it isn't ringing a bell, but that's a TV movie. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I was saying uh, We Are What We Are and Cold in July. No, no, no. But what was what was his movie that you were talking about? Oh, it's called uh, In the Shadow. Okay. Uh, the because... Shadow of the Moon. It's on Netflix. It's There's literally a listing on Netflix, so it is real. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me read this Sweet Tooth movie logline. This is a, a, a TV movie, apparently. Uh, Brian, this has some some things that may interest you. Okay, okay. I'm excited. Um, Tell me. Oh, oh, uh, it looks like also the co-writer is Jeff Lemire. And if I'm oh, right, off the, right, off the, right off the top of my head, that's the guy behind Saga and uh, uh what is it? Uh, no, why? Uh, why the last man? Right? Or no? Jeff Lemire is. Um, Who am I thinking of? He did Essex County. He did. Uh, oh, that's sweet. Brian. Tooth. Okay, okay, wait a second. So first of all, I just gotta say, Brian K. Vaughn wrote "Why the Last Man." Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah, Jeff Lemire is awesome, though. Okay. okay so wait, that, what is what is Sweet Tooth? 
So, Sweet Tooth, the log line, I've actually seen, now I know what this is. Uh, I've seen the uh, the cover for the comic. Uh, so, it's a boy who is half human and half deer survives in a post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. world with other hybrids. What part of this is supposed to appeal to me? Uh, the half deer, since Why? you're obsessed with deer. <laughs> I'm not obsessed with deer. I was just talking about how they're shittily CGI'd in every movie they're in. Because of you, though, we also had best deer in a movie on one of the stages. So that was your input. I think that was, I, I don't remember if it was best deer. I think it was just like a solemn salute to all the deer that had been killed in movies <laughs> that year. Yeah. Because every movie had to start with someone hitting a deer and then killing it to prove the loss of innocence. Indeed, indeed. That what was, was that? Out. That was the year of Get Out. It was the year of um, The Invitation. And I think it happened yes. on The Leftovers. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Great. Anyways, so yeah, uh, he's behind. Uh, he's going to be directing and co-writing that uh, Sweet Tooth movie. Uh, TV, TV movie. So um, I was excited because sure I saw it. I thought it was going to be an adaptation of the Ian McEwan novel, Sweet Tooth. Oh, no. But then I Sorry. remembered that we had a whole little sidebar in one of these episodes where we talked about how there has like rarely been an ever actually good adaptation of an Ian McEwan novel. Hmm. But I think was, so- uh, was Blindness not good? That's no. Blindness that's not- is uh, Jose Saramago. Okay. Um, who is Ian McEwan? Ian McEwan is Atonement, which is good. Um, it's also The Comfort of Strangers, which is interesting and has a very good uh, Christopher Walken performance in it, but is not great. Um, what is the other one? What's the one? What's the one? Oh, Enduring Love is actually really good, but that's, again, one of his earlier novels, which are usually easier to adapt. That has Daniel Craig in it and Reese Siffins. We talked about the Children Act. Um, did not see on Chesil Beach, though someone in our Slack channel really hates I, I that saw movie. It. I saw it a, f- a few oh, weeks ago. That's a uh, that's that's my Saoirse favorite Ronan? actress. Yeah, yeah, Sersha. Yeah, I'm always Kessel interested Beach. when people decide to uh, do one of his his books as a movie. But I have to say that, like, you know, Sweet Tooth could work because it's about like a girl who gets what's the word recruited for like national intelligence and is like trying to infiltrate like an artist's group, and so she falls in with an author. So like it's like an anti-communism thing it takes place i think in the 60s anyway it could be good it could be an interesting movie um i still want to see the madman who attempts to adapt nutshell though hmm. for anyone who doesn't remember nutshell is an adaptation of hamlet uh where hamlet has not yet been born and the entire movie is told through his perception Woof! that movie would actually be impossible to make because the culture war surrounding it would be fucking crazy <laughs> because uh, i'm sure basically Disney would make it you've given human intelligence to to a fetus and people would be furious about that <laughs> oh man um anyway uh unplanned out in theaters now so let's <laughs> let's get out of here we're clearly punchy and we're out of things to say i i, yeah, I need food <laughs> <laughs> that's right because we started at eight well what the fuck time do you eat dinner michael well this has been a weird day okay uh, great my, my, my girlfriend's been sick oh <laughs> is she, is she feeling schedule. better what is she feeling better 
No, she's been getting worse every day. Wait, okay, this is something. She got sick from her, the person who sits next to her at work, and it was his wet. He was getting married this weekend, so he was incredibly sick and getting married. (laughs) And at work. Yep. Does she work in an open office? Uh, Does she work in an open office? Yeah. Like Like one of those things where it's like less than cubicles? Yes. Yeah, fuck that. I have never been sick on a job as much as I have been the last three months since we moved into an open office. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. It's a it's, a it's distracting, really productive, guys. It's really horrible productive. place. Um, open office is the devil. Anyway, uh, everyone, say a silent prayer for Michael's girlfriend. <laughs> say a, a out loud prayer for the poor man who was sick at work. Right before the weekend of his wedding. Yeah, jeez. That, that guy's life is not in a good place right now. Um, but we're done. Uh, so let's remind people. Mubi, M-U-B-I dot com slash film stage for a free 30-day trial of Mubi. Check it out. They've got some Agnes Varda stuff on there right now. And of course, their What is an Auteur series is still going on. In addition, go to patreon.com slash the film stage show and give us your money. Michael needs money to eat. And um, I don't mean he's going to buy food. I mean, he legitimately (laughs) eats money. Um, (laughs) And that's uh, that's about it. Uh, Find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, the Film Stage Show. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about Ash is the Purest White. So Mm -hmm. look forward to that. (laughs) Let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and uh, when we are here to talk with them about Ash is the Purest White. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me looking forward to Detective Pikachu on Twitter at CableBFG, and you can also find me on the Slack channel. Um, yeah, trying to catch up. Uh, that, the conversation is fast and furious on there, so uh, if you skip a day, you are real behind. <laughs> but luckily, with the minds of goldfish, we start a new conversation every single day. <laughs> this is true. I will try and like derail the conversation, and then it'll get derailed from even where I tried to lead it. So you just gotta lob a conversational bomb in there in the middle of something. That's that's what I usually try and do. Good, it works. All right, Michael Snydell. Uh, you can find me on Twitter where I will be counting the days until crawl comes out. And, uh, you can find me on Letterboxd where I've been writing a few thoughts on lately. It's been the resident evil series, which I'm just about to finish up. And yeah, I saw a review of afterlife and I was like, he is putting an inordinate amount of thought into this movie (laughs) and I dig it. (laughs) Well, you know, I had heard for a long time that most of those are good and people are right. Those are some really good action movies. And I just finished one that everybody loves, and I don't think it's quite as good as everybody else. Oh, but, shit. but yeah, the Resident Evil movies. Uh, turns out they're good, except for the second one. That one's trash. Yeah, Whatever. that's the one I saw. That was <laughs> trash. <laughs> Which is the one where she's in the underground base that has like Moscow in it? Uh, that's the fifth one. That's what I just watched. That one is crazy. That's the only one I've seen. And you can imagine how lost I was. <laughs> I had an easier time catching up with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two after not having seen any of the previous Harry Potter movies. <laughs> Jesus sure. Christ. Then well, I did like, with that movie. Well, that movie is like kind of a remix of the series, like even its themes, which like 
sounds super fucking cool, like on its head. I just, I just think All right, it's Mike, how, not how as can entertaining. I watch these? Uh, actually, they are. I think I watched one, two, and three on. Okay, one and three, I think, are on Prime. And then we we've had stars lately. We have that uh, that thing. So I think two and four are on there. Five and six are the ones that you'd have to pay for. But yeah, this place has got to consolidate their shit. Um, I had that problem with HBO. Just, just as we were as we were ranting against Apple trying to do exactly what we wanted to yeah. do. I don't mean like, but the, there's a difference between everything should be produced by the same company, and if you have a goddamn series of movies, maybe make sure that you can watch them in one place. Yeah. Well, th- but that's what Apple is trying to do. They're not trying to produce that content. They're trying to collect all of that content and be like use our interface because our interface is really good and right. i'm like yeah the apple tv that i have fucking rocks i uh, use a roku tv where i can do same. a search and it'll tell me what's available where apple will do the same they'll yeah. they'll go through different providers but um yeah like trying to just bring all of that shit together like that's that's kind of the future um all of this like hey go over here and do this and log into this and and do you do you have an account here it's like no i just want to pay you money and then let me watch it like yeah don't make me sign into an account like that's dumb right Stream, so. streamlining the streamlining um streamlining the <laughs> interface i'm fine with it's the it's the concept of collection of all production under a single yeah. shingle that words me out um anyway uh and me where can i be found i can be found on twitter at brian j rowan uh, my personal site brian also known as dearfilm.net and uh i've been writing i've been writing some shit on letterboxd so check that out i watched legally blonde for the first time in like 20 years the other night so you That's can a good one. My, yeah it was it was good i liked it it's got some issues um, the filmmaking is so much worse than I remember, but the actors are all really good. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? I don't know. I've got my review of Dumbo at thefilmstage.com. Um, so that is all for today. Uh, join us next week when we will be talking about Ash is the Purest White. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Tune in next time. You had my heart, my soul, my attention, but you walked out my life with my CD collection. <laughs>